In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As we begin the season of Advent, I would like to propose for your consideration four short meditations, one for each week of Advent as we approach the birth of our Lord, Christmas, so that we can improve our prayer. And I want to take as a starting point the homily of St. Josemaria in Christ is passing by called the Christian vocation to help us go through Advent as this homily is one that he preached during Advent. When we think of Christmas and the preparation that leads up to Christmas, we think perhaps of our youth because so many memories of maybe the manger scene or the Christmas tree or family coming from all over the the country coming to celebrate this great solemnity of the coming of our Lord. And we think of stories that we tell during Christmas, a story, primarily the story of the incarnation, the story of how Jesus, who, or the word, I should say, who is eternal, eternally begotten of the Father, has entered into history, into our own story, and become part of our own lives, and has influenced us in every little detail of our existence, primarily because he has assumed our human nature completely. He took on our body, he has a human soul, and the person of of the word has assumed this human nature in his divinity. And so when we think of Jesus, we think of his two natures. One is divine and the other is human, fully human in every respect. He wanted to be conceived in the womb of a woman, of Mary. And she was a, we could say a teenager, a young girl who was a virgin and she conceived without the aid of man because it was through the Holy Spirit. And this coming of our Lord into her life really changed the life, not only her life, but the life of every human being. The fathers of the church have said that Mary was the new Eve and Jesus the new Adam. And just like Eve was the one to have tempted Adam. Of course, she was tempted by the devil, but sin came through the devil onto the woman, onto the first man. So to salvation, this knot that Eve had tied has been untied by the new Eve. And so the, the history of salvation in its fulfillment begins with a woman who is faithful and who says yes to God's promises, and that is Mary. 
and through her came the man that is also God, Jesus Christ. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, This, the greatest story that ever has been told, the story of salvation. Well, St. Maria begins his homily on Advent after an initial paragraph. He at some point says, open up your own heart to Jesus and tell him your story. And I, I want to uh, offer you this meditation around this theme. Open up your heart and tell him your story. Open up your heart to Jesus and tell him who you are, what your history is. He knows everything, but he wants us to tell him who we are because he wants to assume into himself, into his own story, our our story, right? So that we too become part of the history of salvation, the history of the people of God who are saved through the faith that we correspond to. You know, the faith that God gives us and we correspond to with our yes, our obedience to the faith. Just like Abraham, just like Moses, David, and we can go on through many, many people who have been faithful to the call of God and who form part of the history of salvation. In fact, we can read it in the letter to the Hebrews. If you want to take something to your prayer, take chapter 11 of the letter to the Hebrews to your prayer, where we read basically the history of salvation, the history of faith, all the way down to from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, with many, many characters who have kept the lamp of the promise burning, right? Living a kind of uh, perpetual advent, or it seemed perpetual to them because the Savior took took a long time to come in history, at least for them. They, some of the prophets, most of the prophets, except John the Baptist, never saw the Messiah. But we have seen them. We have received the Messiah. We receive him in the Eucharist. We receive him really. We have the fulfillment of that promise. And what Moses didn't see, what Abraham didn't see, but they intuited through the promise of salvation, we actually get to receive in reality, although it is veiled, but it's a reality. And we make God present in a new way that in the Old Testament, it was only by a a kind of um, foreshadowing. But our Lord now wants each of us to enter into that history, to become part of the history of salvation so that our yes can also be a light for other people who are still in darkness. And, and the first thing he tells us is, open up your heart to me. Open up and tell me your story. And I will then tell you mine. We could see that this is exactly what happens to those disciples that were going back to Emmaus. They went back to Emmaus because they had misunderstood what the events that they had experienced, that the crucifixion really meant. They knew the events. They knew that Jesus had died. They knew that he was a prophet mighty in word and in work. But And they knew even that the women had gone to the 
tomb the follow the, on Sunday uh, after the the terrible Friday, the terrible uh, event of the crucifixion, and they had found the empty tomb, and they even claimed that they had seen angels that claimed that Jesus had resurrected. But these disciples somehow, Cleophas and the other disciple, whom, whose name we don't know, they basically, in spite of knowing all these events of the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord, they don't believe. And they tell themselves a story which is sad, which is pessimistic, which is closed to the surprise of the gospel. And what happens? We know that they leave in despair. They were hoping that Jesus would be the one to have redeemed Israel, but then in, in their eyes, he was a fake. He was simply a sophist, somebody that tells a good story, but really has no substance. He doesn't deliver. And so they lose hope in him. But God has mercy on them. Jesus has mercy on them. And what happens? We know the story of exactly what happens. Jesus approaches them walking behind them. And he asks them the question, you know, what are you talking about along the way in our sad? And at first they, they don't want to talk to him. They're, they're kind of cynical. And they say, are you the only one in, in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has happened these days? And he plays stupid and he says, tell me what things. Tell me your story, he tells them basically. Tell me what, why you're sad. And they tell him. And as and he patiently listens to them. And and when they finish their story, he he tells them the history of salvation. He opens up the scriptures for them, as they would later say. And he sets their hearts burning within them. And and he begins with Moses and the prophets and and he explains to them how the Messiah had to come and, and suffer, you know. And they were, they must have been amazed because they knew the events of what had happened, but they had not had the correct interpretation of the story. And Jesus opens up the right interpretation for them. And this is very important. This is how, this is what Jesus wants to do with us this Advent, you know. Because perhaps we are sad, perhaps we are suffering, not from worries, but from angst. You know, I, I make that distinction. A worry is what you're worried about, you know, here and now. Maybe you're worried about the exam that you're going to take, or you're worried about the rent that you need to pay tomorrow or next week or whatever. Um, maybe you're worried about a child of yours or a sibling or, or somebody who's ill or a parent. Whatever it is that is worrying you is a specific worry. But angst is a greater thing. Angst is really about an indefinite object in life. It's, it's not about a specific thing, but about life in general. You're just anxious. About what? About everything. Or about nothing. Or about something vague that you don't really, that you really can't put your finger on. You know, and this angst is what, is kind of a, um, you know, it's always there. It's kind of a, a, a depressive state, but you really can't understand why, you know. There's no apparent immediate cause to this state of, of soul which makes you sad. Well, this is precisely, you know, where we many people may find themselves 
in, and that is exactly um, why we need to open up our heart to Jesus and tell him our story, tell him what we are experiencing, you know, even if it doesn't make sense to us, even if we don't understand our own lives. Precisely, it's the lack of comprehension of who we are, of our identity, that we need to talk about with Jesus, you know, because what is Advent about but hope? Hope, right, that there is meaning in suffering, that there is meaning in 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 the world, and that my life should not be governed by this, you know, existential uh, anxiety and darkness that that seems like a big tunnel that, you know, I don't know where it is leading. Humanity, after all, in spite of all our technology, in spite of all the things that we have developed, needs a savior precisely to overcome our existential angst. You know, so Jesus is telling us, you know, tell me what things, why are you sad? What are you talking about and are sad? What makes you worry? What makes you angry? What makes you anxious? I want to know about those things. And then in my conversation with you, basically in, in our prayer together, you know, Jesus, we, when we talk to Jesus, we're praying. That's what prayer is after all. It's talking to Jesus about our things, about the things that matter to us. Then he will give us the right interpretation. He will give us the right interpretation based on his own life, you know, that's why we need to read the gospel, understand the life of Jesus, and as St. Jose Maria suggests, become one more character in the scene. After all, this is what St. Jose Maria did when he was young, when he was little. He didn't know what God wanted of him, and so he started to pray like Bartimaeus, who is the blind man in the gospel. And Jesus passes by. Jesus is walking, and he, he's walking by this blind man, Bartimaeus. Of course, the crowd is following Jesus, and Bartimaeus, is, since he's blind, he doesn't know what's going on, but he hears that Jesus is passing by, and so what does he do? He starts yelling, Jesus, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd tells him to be quiet. But then at some point, Jesus says, come here, you know, have him come here, and what do you want, he asks him. What do you want? And again, we are before a question of Jesus. Tell me your story. Tell me your story, Bartimaeus. Tell me what your desires are. Tell me what you really want from me. Why are you calling me? What is your anxiety about? And he tells him, Lord, that I may see. I want to see. And this is what St. Jose Maria did. He, was, he knew he was in darkness. He intuited that Jesus wanted something big of him. But he didn't know what it was, and so he prayed, Lord, that I may see. He was basically, as a young man, telling Jesus his story, right? telling Jesus who, why he was perplexed, why he didn't understand the events of his life, why he did not understand the death of his father, why, you know, the, the bankruptcy that they had gone through, you know, why you know, St. Jose Maria's uncle, who was a priest, did not particularly like him, even though he too was going to become a priest. Um, and he made life very difficult for him and for the whole family. 
he had many contradictions. If you know the the story of Saint Josemaria's life, why his sisters died, you know, um, young, he was suffering, you know, kind of perplexities through life, and and yet, what did he do? He turned to prayer. He turned to Jesus confidently to tell him his story. And that's what he wants of us. If we look at the gospel, it's full of, of examples of people telling Jesus their story. The Samaritan woman. You know, at first she didn't want to talk to Jesus because she was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. And, you know, why are you asking me, a Samaritan woman, you know, to drink? And, and but at some point, you know, they start talking. And the woman ends up telling Jesus everything. You know, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you are right, you have no husband. Because and the, even the husband you have now is not your husband, and the previous ones that you've had are, you know, have been adulterous, basically. Jesus reveals who she is to him, and yet to her, but in a way that doesn't humiliate her, in a way that actually is a forgiving look you know, a merciful look. Of course, the Samaritan woman had been ostracized from society. That's why she was alone, as opposed to being with other women. And that's why she was going to get water at 12 noon, which is the hottest part of the day, as opposed to in the morning with the other people. They usually would have gone at that time. She's there alone because her story was not accepted by anyone in her town, because she was a sinner, a public sinner. But Jesus, Jesus knows all that. And he offers her hope, you know, in spite of her sin, because she tells the truth, because she tells him her story. And that's exactly what happens when we tell Jesus our own story. He is always offering us a saving grace. Mary Magdalene, the same thing. Why are you crying? Tell me, what, who are you looking for, you know, at the tomb? I'm looking for my master, you know, tell me where you have laid him, you know, I'll take him away. And of course, Jesus appeared to her as the gardener. And, and then he revealed himself to her, you know, and he says, Mary, you know, and she recognizes him and calls him Rabboni or master teacher. Well, our story is very important to Jesus. You know, we could see even in the Acts of the Apostles how there's three accounts, full accounts of St. Paul's story of his conversion going to Damascus in chapter 9, chapter 22, chapter 26. How many times does he have to tell the story? Many times, you know. You would think that, you know, St. Luke would have been tired of writing that story. He wrote it three times in detail. And I think he wrote it three times because... It was a way of doing justice to the thousands of times that Paul probably told his story to people to inspire in them a conversion, just like he was trying to inspire into the people that were listening to him, who had arrested him and who were listening to his case, a conversion. You know, And so Advent is really about this, about preparing our heart so that Jesus may come into it. And the way we do that is through prayer. And prayer 
this conversation, this loving conversation with Christ is about telling him our story the way we see it. And then he'll tell us his story and how we are part of that story of salvation, that history of salvation as well. On a practical note, we can think that this Advent, we can read sacred scripture, maybe read the fifth gospel, so-called the, the book of Isaiah, the prophet, because it is so full of the prophecies of Jesus coming into this world, you know, or we can focus on a virtue that we want to grow in humility. We got to tell our Lord how we have been proud or how we lack humility in so many instances, you know, or simply just be sincere and open up to our Lord about what is bothering us. And of course, when we tell Jesus our story, it probably is going to be like an onion with layers. You know, the first time we tell the story, it's probably not going to be the the most um, the most accurate. And we will discover in our prayer that you know what I had this bad intention, or I had this this other deeper cause to my uh, going astray from our Lord, or you know, or maybe a good thing. And then we have to give thanks to God for for that, and not give thanks to ourselves. You know. But we should thank our Lord, you know, and and really live a time of thanksgiving. You know, we should be really grateful. And Saint Maria in his homily, he he says he quotes the psalm, "Who is man that you should take note of him, Lord? You know, who who am I that you should care about my story? You know, if we open up and we tell him our story, then we if you allow me this comparison or this analogy, uh, we're opening up like a parachute. Our life may be full of angst. It may be going at a thousand miles an hour. We don't stop. We don't really know what's going on. Everything seems to be hitting us. We are in free fall. And that's what we feel sometimes when we don't understand. But if we turn to Jesus and we tell him our story, it's as if we open up our parachute. We open up to him and we open up our parachute. And then the wind of the Holy Spirit kind of slows everything down. And then we actually see where we're going. We actually understand, you know, and we, 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 we're not hysterical anymore. We're not in angst anymore. We, we know where we're going and we can even guide it, you know. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit that guides us with his wind, but... Um, but we can we can cooperate in that guidance as well. We we have a good parachute, you know, those that you can guide well. We can land it, you know, in in a relatively flat place in a soft grass and in, in whatever, so that we don't get caught in the trees or in the power lines or whatever. We can actually cooperate with the Holy Spirit's inspirations. And that's what happens when we open up. We are cradled in the love of God, ultimately, just like all those people in the gospel. Who open up to God and tell them their story, Jesus opens up to them and tells them who they are and how their lives actually make sense. And not only make sense, but they now they have a mission. That's why the disciples going back to Emmaus turn around immediately and then go and proclaim the gospel, not just in the events and with a sad ending, as they had told Jesus first, but in the true sense that that those events had which is a joyful 
announcement of the gospel, that God has come and cared for me, and he has come back to get me and to save me. And all this through the intercession or through the cooperation of Mary, who was the first one to say fiat, or let it be done unto me according to thy word. We can say the same thing if we turn to our Lord with confidence and tell him our story. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.